Welcome, everybody, to episode one of the Pure Potential podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Paul Patterson, joined today by my good friend, Billy Beeman. Joining me on the first episode of a podcast for the second time, <laughs> the second time <laughs> in my very short podcasting career. Very happy to have Billy here with me today. Uh, how you doing, buddy? Great, great. I'm, I'm excited to be here for the inaugural episode again. Again, yeah, man. It's We're going to have a good time. We're going to have a good time today. I would not have it any other way. Before we get into it, um, I do have a new Twitter handle that I want to just throw out there. Uh, if you can, you can find me at Paul Patterson FF now on uh, social media, and Billy, you can also follow him, and you should uh, at Willie Beeman DFF. He's working on Dynasty Underdog, another Dynasty podcast you should check out. So we're sitting here post week eighteen. Fantasy championships are in the books, and this is kind of like. For me, at least, this is kind of a like a dead period for a little while. I mean, I'm dealing with like leagues that I commission. I've got to deal with people leaving. I got to send out payouts and all that stuff. Um, but as far as my league management, I'm kind of like, I just need to decompress for a couple of weeks. Like I get very emotionally invested in my championships <laughs> and I feel like variance mm. is like is like rigged against me. Like it has it's out <laughs> to get me. And so I just like lay low for a little while but for you you know right now um how are you feeling with your teams and is there anything you're doing you know at the moment getting those payouts out man that is that is the the pain oh god the bane of my existence no yeah i got all that done uh i honestly like immediately after the games were over i kind of started getting into that we did a transition from mfl to sleeper for our dynasty underdog listener league so i got right into that as well which is a bear, but got it done um, quickly. So I actually was pretty hyped up, I think, for the end of the season. Maybe it was because like I, I got out relatively unscathed in that I, I did secure a couple championships. I lost a couple too, don't get me wrong, but I, I secured a couple. So I felt pretty good, I think, going into the, the offseason. Like, hey, let's just let's ride the high. Let's get into it. Let's keep it going. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't know. I didn't really take much of a break. I've made a couple of trades. Like I'm okay. you're <laughs> I'm already full going force. for it. Yeah. <laughs> full force. Yeah. 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 I don't, I haven't had it in me to send any trade. I mean, I made like, I think over 85 trades in season um, across my leagues. I was trying to keep count. I kind of lost steam towards the end when I was trading like fourth round picks for Ezekiel Elliott or whatever. And I was like, <laughs> I have to add this to my, my <laughs> trade list. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, I just haven't, I haven't had it in me, but I was going to ask you like kind of how things turned out for you i ended up winning i only ended up winning two championships this year i made nine semifinals, so it was kind of like a little bit of a letdown how it turned out just a lot of like bi-week teams that got absolutely pummeled by teams yeah. that came out of nowhere and and then i lost the league by two points where i started deandre swift over travis Etienne, which absolutely like mm. blew my mind um in hindsight not sure what that was all about but I was, <laughs> I uh, oh. yeah, I, I hate it. It's always like the most obvious thing in the world afterward. You're like, wait, I didn't play Travis Etienne against the Panthers defense. That's an interesting, like, why didn't I <laughs> do that? But in the end, I'm like, I'm, I'm comfortable because I did end up winning one of the two leagues. I won was an empire league and I actually oh. reset it. Um, and so I, I locked up a pretty decent sized pot on that one, um, which kind of salvaged everything else. So Massive. yeah that was that, that one, like a back-to-back -back win or something like yeah, that yeah so so that's right. the, the traditional empire and i did win it last year technically our, our win condition is a little different it's a pokemon themed league i think i've mentioned it before on the show yeah, but basically yeah. you have to you have to meet a number of different conditions to collect eight badges um mm. and then once you get all eight of them 
you you then reset the league. And the last one is winning with all the other seven badges. So I had to win the championship to do it. That's strong, and dude. That is strong. It's uh it was it was a good feeling. That one league was enough to pay for all my other leagues for the year. So I was um so over overall I, I did come out pretty okay. But I, I just keep thinking about the one I lost by two points, of course, because that's how I am. I can't <laughs> I can't let that one go. No, that's that's human nature. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had I had eight semis as well and I I you know only got to I think five of the or i think we're four or five of the finals and uh yeah, yeah man it's that's variance catches up to you late in the season it's not as it, you don't notice it as much mm. throughout the season and it doesn't even matter as much throughout the season you can kind of work against it with you know making some moves and whatnot and kind of some foresight looking into you know the, the playoff future but once you're there it's really hard to get away from it it's one game samples and there's nothing you can do about it like i lost some my, yeah. i i think of my five seed won the championship my one seed lost in the semifinals like that's how it goes you know yep absolutely i think um i've heard somebody i've heard multiple people say making the fantasy playoffs is a skill winning the championship is luck and i think that's yeah for the most part that's pretty true um that's why i i always preach it's like getting a buy is the best best thing that you can do because it's just cutting out one of those really really random outcomes that you can control um it's like the number one thing you can really do to to boost your odds. But of course, all my bye week teams came out and just like wet the bed, and uh, it just ended up going the opposite Same. way for me. But it's all good. Mm -hmm. Overall, happy. There was a big debate, obviously, uh, right after championship week about return on investment <laughs> ROI. It's the big acronym of the week. People talking about you know whether you should listen to dynasty analysts that don't post their ROI or whether you need to. You know, mm -hmm. you need to be making money to be smart or whatever. Um, so I just got to know, like, where do you stand in the in the great ROI debate of 2024? We've gone from BMI to ROI. <laughs> like yeah. this, this reminds me so much of like that and the film analytics. And we've been talking about leaving leagues and well, BMI season's in a couple months. So yeah, it, it's the off season. People need something to to argue about for sure. But I mean, I'm all about transparency. Like, I don't I don't know if you necessarily need to post like you know your your buy-ins or your total dues versus your total winnings necessarily but i'm all about mm, accountability um, accountability thank you i'm all about accountability so from that respect like i think i am looking more for if an analyst is telling you when they were wrong uh you know how often an analyst is actually kind of going down the right path not necessarily mm -hmm. right we all get things right and wrong it's very hard to to be 100 percent accurate or even probably like 60 or 70 percent accurate i just i i think I appreciate people who are, are out there kind of, you know, showing you the side of dynasty. You don't always see, right. The bad trades showing yeah. you, you know, the, the poor moves they make and telling you why they did it, what went wrong. I think those discussions are much more important than your return on investment because return on investment is, is really interesting in fantasy where if you don't win and sometimes even if you come in third, if you don't win, you're you're not getting any return on your investment, right? Yeah. If you win, you're you're making like a thousand percent on on your investment. Yeah. You know what I mean? In that one league, which can cover all your leagues. So it's like yeah, it's tricky. Like uh, it's tricky, and obviously, if you have a crazy return, like more power to you. I just I think that it's not as important in terms of like the financial growth as everybody's making it out to be. I just I think accountability is much more important and kind of just following through with that you know, throughout the year, just kind of giving your audience, if that's what you're doing, if you're an analyst, you, you do have some accountability to an audience to, you know, follow through with your, your results, bottom line. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think that the idea of like being transparent or accountable is good in theory. I think it's like it's like with fantasy receipts where like it wasn't honestly the worst idea in the world. It's just the execution was terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think yeah. I, I think the idea of accountability is fine. I just don't think ROI is the best way to capture that because like so much can happen in a seat. Like you could make the playoffs in all your leagues and you could have a negative ROI. Like you you mm-hmm. don't have that much control there are years when more of your teams are going to be like in a rebuilding phase. Like that's not a bad way to manage your portfolio. If that's, you know, what a one season takes. And then it's like, okay, are you suddenly a bad analyst? Because this year you took a loss. It's just, it's such a simple figure to try to like wrap up an analyst in it. But yeah, I mean, posting how you've done and, and kind of posting, I just think it's about process, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you, if you have a brain and you follow an analyst, like, you're seeing the decisions that they're making. You're probably imitating some of the decisions they're making. You can see with your own eyes, like what is that actually yielding for you? I just don't see what it really adds to to have someone post, you know, what they want in their dynasty league. It seems like more of a flex than anything. Definitely. Like my <laughs> ROI for this season was like, I think I'm up maybe like 35 to 40% on my buy-ins for this year. But like last year was terrible for me because I had a ton of new leagues where I was doing productive struggle. And I definitely was in the negative because I I think I only won like one or two leagues. So, you know, it's going to vary year to year. But I I definitely like the idea of just, you know, posting things you get wrong, bringing back up things that you maybe got right where you, you had a good process point. You can show you're following how you got to that conclusion. It's funny, David, uh, David Goteri, uh, if that's how you say his name, he's got the the Bowser avatar on Twitter. He posted mm-hmm. it. He did a tweet today about like, hey, you know, if you made a really bad trade, don't worry about it. Like it happens to everybody. Here's four of my worst trades from this year, which I think is a great tweet because it's like, hey, if you're only just posting these W's, like people are going to follow you or kind of discouraged or it's like you're always just fleecing people. And it doesn't always go that way. And I know that for a fact, because I've made some terrible trades. And there's multiple people in these comments, like, wow, unfollowing after seeing these trades or like, this is embarrassing for you. And it's like, wow, you just missed the entire point. Like, if you actually trade high volume in Dynasty, this is going, you're going to have trades like this that look so silly in hindsight. Yeah, absolutely. In general, you're going to have trades that look silly, I think. Uh, it, it's hard, you know, it's hard to get it right all the time and, and you're trying to make moves to win. So you're going to make mistakes with that and picking up players, giving up players that you probably shouldn't picking up players that you probably shouldn't. I think it's interesting thinking about like our listener leagues for dynasty underdog. Those are great because you can't hide from your audience. Like if you make a bad move, like that's the listeners, bro. Like they're, yeah. they're going to know you made a bad move and that's okay. Like, I don't mind. Like I, you know, we've each of the hosts have done pretty well and, you know in all the leagues like I think all of us have been to the finals probably I've won a couple times but either way like I've definitely made some really boneheaded moves I one of the worst trades I made probably in the history of dynasty was in the the second listener league where I traded fields for like fields in like maybe a first for Derek Carr and I I don't know something like that and that, that may have been it which you know in it was a terrible terrible move and that was like trying to get out on fields early or something but it taught me a lesson and it was something I was able to talk about on the podcast, talk about with the audience, talk about in our Discord. Yeah. And, um, and you know, those lessons, like, teach everybody, and they learn from you, and they know that, you know, you're not hiding from that kind of stuff. So I think that's the process that, like, I'm more concerned with than, yeah. you know, how much money each person made. And and I think that's what people really care about. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I, I honestly think with all, like, fantasy sports, sports betting in general – really people that don't do it enough or people that are just uninformed think that success is like 
being right 90% of the time, when in reality mm-hmm. it's being right 55% of the time. And it's like, if you compound <laughs> being right 55% of the time over a large enough sample, you, you are going to be positive and you're going to see results. But they think it's like, you need to be right 90% or your advice is worthless. And it's just not, that's just not how it works. Like, good luck with that. It's just, it's impossible. This game is so ridiculously random. Just getting to that 55% mark requires so much like time and focus and, and information. And so, you know, if you can get to that point, you should be content with that. And you're still going to make those bad trades. Like you're still going to make huge mistakes. I traded Sam Laporta straight up for Pat Fryermuth in August. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I scored a zero on my tight end spot in the semifinal. So it's like it, mm-hmm. those things happen, man. I traded uh, and and to Chris at DFF, I traded Trey McBride basically for Luke Musgrave mm-hmm. straight I up. Like I made that. some yeah. dumb, dumb moves, man. In hindsight, those look really stupid, but it's like I made some other really good. Tra- I traded Jamison Williams for Puka Nakua in week two. So like, you know, it all evens out uh, in the end and hopefully you come out a little bit on top. Yeah. I think like for my process, like I'm definitely a little bit risk averse. So I'm trying to mitigate, <laughs> mitigate the, uh, the negative moves as much as possible. Um, so yeah, that, I, I do my best to do that, but we can't get away from them. It's really tough, man. Everybody takes risks. Yeah. And I think having a process is key too. Like I, I've fallen into the trap of just trading to trade and trying to like, you know, win these moves, you know, win these deals, um, in value or whatever. But I think ultimately you, you need to have like a process behind why you're making a trade, almost like a flow chart of like, okay, what is it that I actually am trying to accomplish in general, you know, when I'm making trades and that way, if you're working towards a goal, like if it's, you're trying to reduce risk on your roster, you're trying to like diversify a portfolio or whatever it is you're trying to get to, at least then you have like, you can see tangible progress towards that goal as opposed to just sort of throwing stuff out there and, and kind of seeing what happens. That's like going to be very high variance. Um, and so that's something I'm working on this, this off season, I think is just writing down a lot of the stuff that kind of happened during the year, almost just yes. kind of journaling about it and like thinking through these situations where I found myself frustrated or I made a mistake and like actually seeing if this is just something that happened or if this is like, there's a lesson from this where I can actually add this into my decision-making framework and like over time become a more efficient player where I can sort of delegate decision-making to like pre-assigned rules. Like, is this, is this what's happening? Okay, do this. Or like, is this what's going on? Don't do this. And sort of avoid some like high level errors um, that I've made. Like one thing that comes to mind is these win now deals where like, you're trying to gain an edge in like a small sample by trading for like the quote unquote better player. Um, and like, I did that with TJ Hawkinson in a league the very next week after I traded for him, Isaiah likely outscored him. And that's who I would have played the week after that. Uh, I think maybe Hawkinson scored higher. And then the week after that, he gets hurt and he's out for the final. And it's like, maybe just leave it alone. Like maybe just don't sacrifice value on something that's that, you know, variable in such a small area of time. And so trying to remember that and not just retrace these same mistakes year after year. I've seen you talk about that a little bit uh, on Twitter. You definitely posted a couple of things about uh, just, you know, not making moves in terms of, you know, making a, a finals push because it's really not increasing your odds that much. Yeah. And I do think there's something to that. I think that, you know, outside of a injury necessity, like I had a team where I, I lost TJ Hawkinson and in all of these deals, I actually, one thing I was talking about on, on, 
Dynasty Nerd Dog is not giving up the player that got injured, but like trying to make a move to replace the injury. Like that's kind of the right. only time that I think, you know, you should be trying to make a move is, is to fill holes and actually compete when yeah. you're, when you're down to that final, um, you know, final game or two. But other than that, I totally agree. It's, it's, you know, marginal at best, like the, the advantage you're getting from, from making any sort of trade. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's not in your best interest, but something that you said really struck a chord with me we did like a segment new year's resolutions and one of them for me was just being more organized. And I think that it goes along with what you're saying, kind of trying to track my moves a little better, track my process a little better, just track everything a little better. I, I just, you know, we, we all have a decent amount of teams and I, I just think I could probably do a better job in that regard too. And I think it would be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. That's a big, that's definitely a big focus for me as I kind of move into more of like a portfolio approach. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I've got 18 leagues now. I'll, pro I'll probably end up adding a couple, maybe round it out to 20 this season. And I, I want to make it more like time efficient for myself because yeah, I mean, I do play to win money, but like playing dynasty is not the most effective way that you could spend your money in order to make money. Like I play because it's fun, but at the right. same time, I'd like for it to be profitable in like a time efficient kind of way where it's like, if I'm going to spend 500 hours managing my teams during the season so that I can like win a thousand dollars, that's probably not like a really wise way to spend my time. And so my, my hope is, you know, for anybody that does play portfolio and plays in a lot of leagues, I want to talk on this show about ways to kind of be efficient and smart about managing a lot of teams um, and maybe trying not to get too caught up in the weeds of like, the finer details, you know, you manage one or two teams, you can tinker with that all you want. Like it's more of like a hobby, but when you play in 10, 12, 15 leagues, it, you have to kind of, you, you can pay less attention to each of them, but as long as you're making smart moves at the high level, like you have a consistent process, um, you can still be very successful over a large sample of teams. So it's almost a different game. Um, if you know what I'm saying. And so that's something yeah. I, I want to explore more. That, that's actually super interesting. I, my like i'm so rooted in just enjoying it so much like i yeah. like i i probably would do a lot of it if i didn't play and didn't analyze like right. or didn't you know uh produce content like i'd probably still be dissecting the rookie class as they come in and and yeah. you know be that into it so like the time spent on it doesn't feel wasted even if oh, i did yeah. fortunately i feel like <laughs> i'm good enough and i've done well enough where like I, I ha like I'm able to pay for future years ahead. You know what I mean? If I want yeah. to, and, and then like, you get to just keep playing, and it's like take my wife out. And yeah, like, yeah. No, it's it's like like that. Just have is like a benefit of it for me in the end. But I agree with you. Like you, if I didn't have that, I probably would want that. So like, yeah, I would always be seeking. I think a process that gets me there to a place where I'm successful in terms of winning money and championships anyway. So yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I, I have 12 leagues. I'm probably won't do the port. I don't consider myself a portfolio dynasty player though. Right. Um, I'll add one or two a year, but I'd play them like they're like my babies. <laughs> oh dude. I, I, I feel like this year, I mean, I said I made 85 trades. Like I definitely am like paying way more attention. I'm trying to like, get a handle on it because I feel like I have a problem where I'm like, if, <laughs> if I keep adding leagues and I continue yeah. to be like this controlling about each of them, like it's just, right, not gonna, right, right. it's not going <laughs> to scale well. Like it's just not going to scale well because I haven't scaled back. If you go into any, like almost any of my leagues, I probably made the most trades in, in just about mm -hmm. any of them. And like, I'm always like sending out these cold offers. I'm like DMing people and 
that's the, that's the thing for me. Like I'm trying to figure this out so that I can like keep doing this. Cause I love startups and I love mm -hmm. I, what I, I like when I have my hands on like lots of different players, like it makes me mad when there's a great player. And I'm like, I, ha I don't get to root for this guy. Like in any leagues, like I didn't have, I, don't have, any Williams. I have no Kyron Williams. And I'm like, this is so frustrating. So like, mm -hmm. I need more leagues so that I get like my, my little <laughs> dopamine hit when like, Oh, Kyron just scored 40. I have him in this league or like this guy just did this. I'm in this, like, I need, I can't just have two leagues. Cause then I'd only be starting like 15 players or whatever. And like, that's not, that's not enough. So I need to watch red zone and everything that happens needs to both hurt me and help me at the same time. <laughs> like I want to be so confused about what's a root for at all times so oh my god I, I, need I, think, I think that's the best part of being in so many leagues people always ask they're like like how do you like i don't care i just watch the games and i enjoy it because i know that they're all scoring points for me somewhere or against me somewhere so it's right like and the other thing is is like i, I know i'm going down a rabbit hole here of this but like every single team is built differently and that team can win a championship you know what i mean like yeah. it does not matter like you don't have to have the same players on every team for that to happen anyway. But yeah, like I get yeah. what you're saying for sure. I I'm interested to see what your process becomes. I, I really am interested to know like how you get it more manageable. I mean, I imagine it's going to be spreadsheet oriented. <laughs> Probably in some way. Yeah. But um, I'm interested to know about it because I, I think that you can be successful in this game doing it at a volume scale. I think there are like, plenty of uh, guppies out there and plenty of leagues that you could seriously plenty of leagues that you can get into that like you can be very successful playing it that way i mean i know that there's a ton of guys doing you know portfolio dynasty yeah i um i, I intend to ask uh, dynasty zoltan to get back on the show mm -hmm. or i guess this is a new show so get on the show for uh an appearance <laughs> and he is a very high volume dynasty i think he plays in like 80 dynasty leagues or something like that and um That's, he's yeah, very profitable incredible. and i know he's like super organized like with his you know with mm -hmm. all of his management so i'm gonna ask him for some pro tips probably on the show and that might be the beginning of my journey to being you know full degenerate uh dynasty gamer or whatever if i'm not already there but anyway <laughs> we're um we're we're getting uh we're getting into the show here we got a we got a big segment to cover here so we're gonna scoot along this week you know it's just just Monday after week 18. So the dust is settled. Like all the coaches are fired. We're free from Arthur Smith. It's a, it's a great day. Um, but there's playoff football coming, which is the big, I mean, that's the big thing, not for fantasy, but just for pure enjoyment. We got playoff football. It's going to be exciting. Unfortunately, the Eagles suck. That's, that's kind of a bummer for me. Um, the Patriots aren't in it. So, you know, I don't <laughs> think either of us are going to be too invested for too long in the NFL playoffs, but there are 12 teams playing this weekend, and I thought it would be fun to pick out my personal uh, dynasty asset from each of these teams I think is the most interesting and just kind of talk about them a little bit. What are we expecting? What are we doing with this player? Just kind of a, just a free-flowing discussion, and then for each game that we get through, we'll also just make a nice little prediction about what's going to happen, and I'll, uh, I'll look back on it next week, see how we did. So... I'm going in order of the games as they're being played. First game is Browns-Texans. It's coming up on Saturday afternoon. For me, as far as the Browns are concerned, I think Deshaun Watson is definitely the most interesting dynasty asset to consider. I mean, maybe Joe Flacco, you know, um, <laughs> should should you trade a 2025 fifth-round rookie pick for him? Who's to say he might end up, you know, a backup mm -hmm. next year? Now, Joe Flacco is really fun. Um, fun fact, 
if I had traded for Joe Flacco in one of my leagues uh, where I had a buy, I would have actually won the semifinal and then the championship. Um, and instead I chose not to do that. So yeah, it was a, it, it was a dynasty best ball. And I already had like several starting quarterbacks and I was like, maybe I'll buy Joe Flacco from the team that got eliminated. And I sent a fifth and they rejected it. And I was like, I guess I could offer a fourth. I don't know. I don't have a lot of picks. I've got these other quarterbacks. Like what are the odds that's going to make the difference? Turns out I would have won by one point in the semifinal had I had Joe Flacco. And then in the finals, I literally blew out both the teams, but I was in the third place game. So uh, that's one of the ones that just haunts you. But either way, Deshaun Watson, he's the actual starting quarterback for the Browns. He will start week one for the Browns next year. I believe that. Um, are you? Is this a guy you're willing to buy, Billy? Or are you just like, there's too much of a Nick factor? Joe Flacco? Yeah, first round. No, no. Uh, Deshaun, <laughs> Deshaun Watson. Um, yeah, like absolutely. I was actually looking at keep trade cut and just seeing kind of where he was at. And he's a spot below Will, Will Levis. And I that seems like buy territory for me. Uh, right. Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too scared off by the Joe Flacco performance. Although, just so you know, it did help me, by the way, in that 36 team league we're in, Console Wars. I won that championship. He helped me. Oh, there. did win? Oh, my gosh. Once yes. I lost, I kind of checked out from that one mentally. But, um, okay. I was the 11th seed. Didn't you the win it? Or, didn't you win it last year or two years ago or something? Two years ago. Yeah, That's two years crazy. ago. Winning a 36 yeah. team league twice in three years is kind of insane. Um, that was good on you, man. Good job. Joe Flacco for a fourth round pick. Yeah, <laughs> man. He, he, uh, he carried me there. Uh, yeah, no, I'm totally in on Deshaun Watson still. Like, I think he's probably not the best guy, but that's not what we're talking about here. As a dynasty asset, he's so cheap right now. People are so scared off him, and I think there's there's value there. I think it's going to be similar to Kyler Murray last offseason, who I know yep. we kind of famously debated, but he, he got to a, a pretty wrong, cheap probably. spot, um, you know, late third, fourth, fourth round of startups. And it was like, okay, what are we missing here? Like, this guy has always performed in fantasy his real life perception has sort of waned a little bit, but like he's clearly a top 32, like starting quarterback in the NFL. It's like, look, buy in his value is going to recover once he's scoring points. And I, I think this is the same situation. Um, people have this perception that he was like absolutely atrocious when he played this year. I don't really think that's the case. If you look at some metrics, like I think he was more like league average and that's not what he's been. Like he hasn't, that's feels you know, that's a big fall from where Deshaun Watson was. He was once one of the best quarterbacks in the league uh, for a stretch there. But when you look at the games, he actually played all the snaps. We're talking 20 fantasy points, 15, 21, 19, 15. This is a guy who still runs. Um, he's still young. And he has a nice, stable situation. Like, he has big contract security, at least for the next couple of seasons. I just think people are maybe weighing the on-field product and like how the eye test looked a little bit too much when all the other factors are pointing towards this is a guy that's going to bounce back he has a relatively safe floor at the very least and still has that potential to be like a 20 point per game quarterback i i think i'm actually with you on this one where i was not with you on the kyler murray one and i got that wrong i actually my final article for dff was kind of a, a season look back on things i got wrong like what went wrong and that was one of them was kyler murray like you know just factoring in the injury too much, not believing in, in, you know, the elite production we've seen before, like just a number of, of kind of things that I just kind of missed the mark on there that I probably wouldn't do again, especially in terms of, I think, weighing the ACL injury so greatly on such an elite player at the quarterback position. Those guys 
tend, you know, they tend to get past those things. So uh, that said, Deshaun Watson, I think I, I, you know, would definitely take the dip on this one. Um, I think it's very similar to the Kyler Murray thing. I think what you said also is something I talked about before on my podcast, which was that everybody's hung up on Watson not being what he once was, which was like absolutely top of the quarterback uh, market. And he he's not that, but he's definitely average to above average still with a cr- crazy stable situation and he has upside. So yeah, I, I, I think he's a great asset to buy this offseason. Exactly. You don't need to buy him with the expectation he's going to be like a top five startup pick ever again, but like he doesn't have to be that at all to pay off the investment. Um, I don't think it would be crazy to see him get up to a place where we've seen like Dak Prescott be in past seasons yep. where he's kind of that early second, mid second round startup. Like that's going to be a big return on your investment. If you can get in on him at this price, like I, I think you could add very little to someone like Jared Goff in a lot of spots and you could get Watson. And that's just like it, it, you're it's people perceive Goff as being like this high floor option now, I guess. But I think Watson's floor is very similar, and I think his upside is just substantially higher. So. You don't need to add to golf, just so you know. Like you could, you, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just looking. Like he's like he's quarterback sixteen to Watson's quarterback nineteen right now. They're like oh, thirty, twenty or thirty spots in in the KTC ranking. So you can find somebody in some league, I imagine that you know you could make that move for. But there's like yeah, a slew of Definitely. players that I would do this for. Yeah. So I think he's definitely a good one. I I'll be looking into it. Once I come out of my trade hibernation, it might be one <laughs> of the first players I go and look at, especially if Joe Flacco starts winning playoff games, man, people are going to oh, be yeah. like Deshaun who I don't know him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Other side of this game, the Texans exciting young wide receiver whose season was tragically cut short. I wish he could be playing this weekend in the playoffs. It'd be fun. Uh, but tank Dell talk about a guy I got wrong. Um, I had no interest in tank Dell. I mean, I didn't like, he was barely on my board. I think I got him in one rookie draft. Cause he fell to like the four, three just wasn't into, I don't really know why I was so out on him. Like he was a late declare. He's small. Um, production was good though. And he got the day two draft capital. Like it was just an oversight on my end. Um, I don't really care that I missed on Puka like as a prospect, because I just, the day three wide receiver thing, like I just can't, get over the hit rates on that and it's like <laughs> i'm okay to just be wrong like i'll buy him after the fact but with tank I, I feel like i should have had a little more interest like he's going to be lashed onto this promising rookie quarterback he has at least that minimum threshold of, of round three capital but anyway I, I missed on dell um but i was very high on him before his injury i had him firmly ahead of nico collins i thought he was becoming the the clear wide receiver one in that offense the dude was looking like Tyreek Hill for a few weeks there with some of the plays he was making like after the catch and down the field. I was fully ready to anoint him as a as a wide receiver one in dynasty before he fractured his tibia or whatever it was. Where where are you at on Dell right now as an asset? I mean, he's close, right? To to wide receiver one territory in dynasty. I mean, I think he's a wide receiver one on his team for sure. I I like him a lot. I kind of want to wait a little bit for us to get into the offseason here. People forget about him a little bit. He's injured. Maybe his value dips a little bit from where it's at. He's still, he's, I mean, I think you'd, I think it'd be tough to get him right now for, for most players. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think you could trade JSN for Tank Dell right now as much as like, you know, I mean, JSN looks fine and, and he's a good player for sure. But I think most managers would not be wanting, willing to do that kind of thing, which right. that his value is pretty high. So I, I kind of want to wait a little bit, see if I can acquire him because I do, I really like Tank Dell. I mean, coming out, I thought he was an electric route runner, something I just didn't buy into uh, a lot of my like 
late round player takes, I kind of had them and just kind of was like, yeah, like I'll get them in the fourth round and not actually go get them in the third and, and kind right. of actually get my player. So I missed on, on them, which is something I probably won't do again this year if I have those kind of feelings, but yeah, I'm, I'm all in on tank, man. I, I like him a lot. Luckily I loaded up on uh, Zach Evans shares instead. So I'm off <laughs> that. Um, now <laughs> think about tank Dell that people, that does kind of go under the radar. He's very old for a rookie. Um, He's only six. He's only six months younger than Nico Collins. So they'll both be twenty-five next year. Nico turns twenty-five in March. Tank in October. Um, but are you firmly like you want Tank Dell over Nico Collins? You think he is the wide receiver one there? Because I feel like with some of these performances from Nico, it's like giving me a little bit of pause. But also, I think Stroud is just like a total baller. Like he elevates talent. So it's it's really hard to say. I mean, Dell seemed to be overtaking Nico when he was, when they were both on the field, which obviously similar in age, but tank is very new to the league. So that's, you kind of got to weigh that in his favor, you know, Nico being in his third season, I think it's close. I, I think we could be looking at a situation where it's like, maybe tank is the wide receiver 12 in dynasty and Nico's like wide receiver 15 or something. Like, I don't, I don't think they're all that far off from each other. Um, and I think this could be an offense where you're looking at Stroud throwing like nearly 5,000 yards a season. And both of these guys can just absolutely thrive. Yeah, I I think you're probably right that they're they're likely going to be close. I I guess I like Tank. Just I think he's a bit more dynamic. I think he's a bit more of that game breaker kind of yeah. guy. Also, handpicked by C.J. Stroud coming out of the draft, he's like, please go draft him. And I do think that that matters a little bit. Like I'm not saying that it's the end all be all by any means. Nico Collins can still have 150 yard games on 10 receptions. Like that's the kind of player he is here and there. But I do think he's a little bit more boom bust. I also think that his contract situation is not as stable as Tank Dell's. Like, obviously, Tank has three good years there. They need to yeah. resign Nico probably this year, and if they don't, he hits free agency and he's going to get paid a boatload of money. Right. Yeah, that's fair. So you you probably you can give Tank the edge a little bit on age, a little bit on early production, a little bit on contract security. Uh, you know, being linked to Stroud. So yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, honestly, I see Nico like pretty similarly to how I view T Higgins, like both as like kind of as players, like just really? the big bodied guy, you know, just like big bodied players. Like it, it, they feel like there's these matchups where sometimes they have the matchup they want and they just go like absolutely insane. And then there's matchups where they kind of are like, they're just a background piece. You know what I mean? Whereas Dell is like, he's not Jamar chase, but he's more of like, use him all over the field. And like, you're always going to get him involved as like a focal point of, of the game, no matter like who the opponent is. That's kind of how I, I see him, you know? Um, That's interesting. I I yeah. think I see T. Higgins as more of a standalone alpha. Like, if he went – if they both went to KC, right. like, individually, if we could have that happen in, like, like if we could, worlds. if we could simulate it and we could yes. say, like, this is a world <laughs> – yeah, if we could get Doctor Strange here to, like, show us the different universes, <laughs> I, I got you. I think that T. Higgins would be, yeah. be a more dominant – number yeah. one receiver. So that's how I see him. I'm interested in your thoughts on a trade that just happened in one of our listener leagues. It was, um, who are we talking about right now? What, who was it? Uh, Nico Collins. Yes. Nico. Thank yeah. you. It was, it was Nico and a second for Jalen Waddle. Oh, give me the Nico side. I, I knew you were gonna, I, I kind of like the Waddle side, but I knew you were going to do that because I know that you don't like Waddle that much. And I'm sure you think that there's similar points for game guys going forward and you're getting a Absolutely. second. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Three second. Free second. I'll take the free second. <laughs> I got no reason. Uh, uh, yeah, I've got no yeah. reason to think. I've got no reason to to think that Waddle has the edge uh, moving forward. I, I'm 
Um, I'm in, I, I find all those guys to be like very, like they just overlap. Like Devonta Smith, T. Higgins, Jalen Waddle, mm-hmm. throw in Nico Collins, throw in Brandon Ayuk for all I care. Like you want to put him at the top now, that's fine. It always just gets reshuffled. All these guys, they just get shuffled around in the same mm-hmm. group. But I, I think, they're, yeah, they're all I, in a I, similar range here. Within yeah, like I mean, thirty spots. Next, yeah, like Nico, you know, next year one of them's gonna score sixteen points per game instead of fourteen, and they're gonna be at the top of the the totem pole. Like I don't just give me the free second. I don't care. Um, they're all good. They're all good players, and none of them are probably ever gonna score like twenty points per game. So yeah, so that's where I sit with it. But I mean, I I get it. I I do get it. But it's just like we're not going to see that from Waddle until minimum, like after next year when it, when Hill allegedly is going to retire. Um, okay. So then, you do see the vision, but you know that like, I, I, so like, I, get I think where it's you're possible. I, I think it's possible, but it's definitely not possible with Hill on the field. Like I think it's possible yes, after that, right. okay. but I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sold that he's going to become that like total target magnet. Like I just think, I think his game, I just think he might have more of like a specific skill set, And I, I don't know if he can scale that to it, to the level people want to see, but it's possible. Oh, yeah. It's definitely possible. He's a great player. Um, I'm going to send this, uh, this timestamp to the, uh, to the discord and make sure that they all come check it out. Cause there was, there yes. was a, they were going both ways on it. I think it was like a five to five vote when I last saw it. So yeah. It's Everything. such a, it's such a funny trade to like be up in arms about. Cause it's like such a nothing trade. It's like, whatever. <laughs> like one guy picks up a little bit of value to like move yeah. down within a tier. It's like, not the kind of deal that should really be blowing up a chat or anything, but yeah. I love it. I mean, I absolutely love it. There's nothing else to do right now, right? So dynasty off season, brother. Yeah. Come on. Um, are you taking the Browns or the Texans in this one? I'm going for the upset, man. I think that Stroud has something here. I, I think that he can win a playoff game or two. I don't think he can take it all the way. I don't think they have really the players to do it this year, but uh, I do think that Browns they're they're just they're riding so high right now man like at some point it's got to come crashing down you know yeah i i i can't do it man i you saw what amari cooper did to the texans not two weeks ago right like (laughs) he broke fantasy football um i i think i'm taking the browns i think the the browns defense is gonna give stroud fits i think joe flacco has just enough like veteran moxie to you know lead them to a to a playoff win before their inevitable demise against a real team. Um, I, <laughs> I, many I'll, of take, those, man. <laughs> I'll take the Browns. I'll take the, that's true. There's like legit, like three good teams in the NFL. It's, it's weird. It's a weird season. You look at the playoff picture and you're like, that's gross. Like, I don't even, there's like the two yeah. teams on by are absolutely the two teams that should make the Super Bowl. They absolutely should. Well, you know, we'll see shenanigans sure. and whatnot, but, but I'll take the Browns in this one at least. And that'll be, that'll set up a nice little, Joe Flacco revenge game in Baltimore narrative the week after, which I think would be very fun. So sure. let's make it happen. The I next like game on Saturday is uh, Dolphins Chiefs. Dolphins at Chiefs. Man, the Dolphins really fumbled the bag. They had this division locked up for months, and all of a sudden they're on the road in Kansas City. Not a great place to be. But one player, obviously doing very well for himself, is uh, Devon Achan. So that's my pick here. We could have talked about, I guess we did just talk about Jalen Waddle, but um, that's some bonus content. We're talking A-Chan. I think he's right on the edge, personally. Do you think A-Chan is a top five dynasty running back? I don't. I'm I, I'm a little uncomfortable with, with running back seven, like which is, I think, okay. where he's kind of valued at in the community. 
I just I think that the entire running back landscape outside of like two guys is super fragile and yeah. can be shaken up by uh, you know some late round rookies. Anything can happen with 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 running backs. You know we've seen that in the draft. Like Kyron Williams was an absolute nobody last year. So you know I I think anything can happen in that range of like you know outside the top five running backs, really. I think anything can kind of happen there. And I don't want to buy into that at their current price right now. Like I like Kyron Williams too. And I think he's at running back six or sorry, maybe right behind him at running back eight. But one way or another, like I like both those guys. I think they're electric. I don't really want to pay the acquisition price at this moment. Okay. So this is more of like running back in general sort of take, like you're just, you're just either all the way up or you're just down at the bottom and you're not like, you're just not messing around in this in this range, is what you're saying. Unless I acquired him in the rookie drafts, which I have some right. with Chan. You right. know, I got him in the rookie draft for like in the second round or whatever, and I'd love that. And I'll hold him until somebody wants to send me a first plus or something along those lines, you know. Um yeah. something something enticing. But yeah, I don't want to go and acquire them at the current price, that's for sure. I just I I think they're super fragile assets, like they can, you know, an injury can absolutely decimate what you you know what you just purchased so especially yeah. in the off season they, this is a take i've had since last off season but like i don't love buying running backs in the off season I, i'll okay. do it from time to time don't get me wrong like but i don't like doing it because you're not certain what's going to happen even with kyron williams what if somehow they brought in like a really useful running back you know what i mean and, the, and he just yeah. takes a significant hit to his uh, his volume like that that'd be yeah that'd be Absolutely. I, I hear that. And I'm totally open to like structural or positional arguments about that. I think that's a, a definitely a valid way to play it. I think just in a vacuum, like looking at the the running back position, I think Bijan for me is still at the top. Gibbs and Hall are close behind him. Um, and then there's a pretty decent gap for me. Like Christian McCaffrey is is definitely still there it's it's really confusing with him because he's so much older than all the other elite running backs but he's also so much more productive so it's like sort of his own thing um and cmc is a guy where like he just doesn't matter between january and august like he just doesn't he's not really a guy that has a lot of liquidity because a lot of teams aren't going to want to take him on his value just it's so predictably going to like decrease and then increase where i'll just wait you know, if I'm going to acquire a Christian McCaffrey, I'll wait till I can tell that like, okay, this team's going places and I'll buy him before his value really starts to kind of creep back up. But like right now I have no interest in rostering Christian McCaffrey. Like this dude's going into the playoffs. <laughs> he could tear his ACL tomorrow, like yeah. next week. Mm -hmm. um, and then he's done, like he's done, you know? So it's kind of a scary thing, but after him, Jonathan Taylor, I'll definitely entertain him as the RB five. But after that, I don't see anybody I'd rather have than HN. Like Travis Etienne, okay, mm. maybe I would listen to arguments for him and maybe Kyron Williams, but this dude, it, I'm confident in HN as an elite talent. I mean, I'd agree with that. I'd agree yeah. with that. He's in an offense that you that I want pieces of, um, as long as they're not named Jalen Waddle, obviously. Um, <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, at the right no, price, it's... of course. At the right price, of course. But I, I think I think this guy, like, he is. I mean, he's insanely fun to watch, but I do believe that Mike McDaniel is going to unleash him. Like, I, th I think, I don't think he's going to be in a platoon. Like, I think he's going to be a one a as much as you, you know, you see those guys, like not, not at a CMC level, not like a Kyron Williams level, but 
at the level we've seen from like, you know, Travis Etienne or whoever, like getting the bulk of the rushing work, getting that short distance work, getting looks in the passing game. Um, and I, I think he does have that real like 20 point per game upside um, if it all breaks his way. Yeah. I mean, looking at it, I, I do think that there's somewhat of a tear break there with like HN Etienne area. Um, yeah. But yeah, Etienne is kind of aging out already. So yeah, I, yeah, I guess you, you might be right in that regard that, that he kind of does stand out from the rest, especially below him. I just, I find it, re- I find it really hard placing him up with those other guys that you yeah. talked about, like, you know, Gibbs Hall and whatnot. Um, interesting CMC trade I made right before the finals. Uh, I, I had gotten booted, I think in the first round or something. And this team needed to reset a little bit or at least churn some pieces. And I moved, CMC to the, the one of the teams in the finals for Jalen Waddle and two thirds. And I thought that was, I thought that was a good kind of like, you're like the reason why is because what you said, CMC, he, everybody knows he's going to decline. Everybody knows what that is. So you're not getting a first for him anymore. It's so hard to get future assets for him. So I felt like that was yeah. kind of doing that just within a player. Like, yeah. If that makes sense. I hear you. It's going to depend on your league. Like, I'd probably hold for that, but like I get the thought process there. I I moved a CMC. I I this is one of the trades I'll think about all offseason. But I, I moved. I talked about it. I think on the podcast two weeks ago, um, or a few weeks ago, whenever it was. I moved to Christian McCaffrey. I was in the semifinals, and I was like, I'm gonna move Christian McCaffrey now because I've already gotten here, and I ended up trading him for ETN and Diggs and some <laughs> like fourth round picks, and I was like, this is a steal on value. Like I'm already a favorite this week. Puka scored like 35 points on Thursday night football. Like I was riding high and then I ended up losing that week by the difference between McCaffrey and those two guys, because Diggs did nothing. ETN did nothing. Um, and then I would have won the final uh, if I had had McCaffrey as well. Uh, so it was a, it was a tough situation, but like I would do it again because I mean, not if I had perfect knowledge of what was going to happen, but like (laughs) in the same situation, I would do the same thing where you're trying to get ahead of the value loss and main, you know, maintain that value. It's important. It's like people make fun of it. Like, Oh, you're just trying to like win the value game and not win the championship. But it's like, if you want to be consistently profitable, you do have to keep roster value in mind, like at all times, it doesn't matter if you're in the semifinal or it's Mm -hmm. week one, you have to think about the longevity of your team. And I think that is a, like, that's a win for my team in the long run, trade. but it just killer sucks trade. that it happened that way. But again, I get what you're doing, you know, trying to move off of him while he's still hot because now that the season's over, you're really not going to get people trading like youth to get him um, in most situations. And he's already injured. So, you know, you, you, uh, it's just, his value is so fragile. Like I was saying about some of the other running backs, but his just due to age and, you know, yeah, and did Jalen Waddle outscore mm-hmm. him in the final, or he didn't play? Right, he didn't play in the final. Uh, he didn't play, and again, yeah. I wasn't in. I wasn't in contention anymore, so it didn't matter. But CMC actually, I'm pretty sure that was the game where he went out with the injury, so he yeah. didn't help. He only he only the, scored like 13 or 14. Yeah, the, the team still won. I think they just had like an absolute crazy lineup, so I'm sure they're fine with it. But I don't know. I feel comfortable with that. I really do feel like 27 year old running back going on 28. Like there's. You know, there's only so much life left there. Yeah, I mean, any injury or anything, like any major injury is going to be a big, that's going to be a big hit. Cool. All right, so that's that's A-Chan. He's a guy I'm interested in. You know, maybe not buying right now, like you said, but someone I'm keeping an eye on as like, 
a potential a potential league winner next year like i think he's going to be a real sneaky like late second round pick in in redraft or best ball or whatever like he's going to be a guy who who legitimately could just come out and, and explode in score i mean we saw raheem mostert score 20 touchdowns this year they're like the same build like a chan's just like younger and better like he he could absolutely do that what what do you think about like the diff- i know this is negligible currently like where they're ranked but i i do think it's an inter- interesting conversation kyron williams versus a chan like they're they're ranked nearly similarly and i feel like you yeah. would be the type to like a chan way more than a kyron williams no i i do prefer a chan i think he's safer because i just believe more in his talent and i and i mm-hmm. like i believe and also like you look at the draft capital you look at the prospect profile the athleticism the, he just has the pedigree Everything. that kyron doesn't have <laughs> Um, and so like, I would, if I have a Chiron, well, which I have zero Chiron shares, like I said, to my, to my hurt, but, um, if I had them, I would definitely, I would trade them for a Chan in a heartbeat because I think ultimately Chiron could outscore him next year if everything stays the same for him, but I just think there's more downside. So like, I'd rather just stabilize Mm -hmm. things a little bit and go away from him, but I'm not, I'm not as off Chiron as I thought I was going to be. Well, definitely he's going to be our pick for the, for the Rams. Um, Oh, exciting. so we'll Sweet. we'll come we'll come back around to him. We'll move along here to the uh, the Chiefs side, where I just want to hear your thoughts on Rashi Rice as a guy who does watch film and like does process. Because I was, I mean, I was not interested like at all. Very skeptical of him as a prospect. I mean, he he just didn't look like the kind of guy that was going to succeed. And and obviously that's where humility comes into the game, where you just have to be, you have to realize that there's guys that are going to hit that have unusual profiles. You know, when they play with Patrick Mahomes, maybe you just sort of take that swing. I, I wasn't like not going to draft him, but it just didn't fall to me anywhere where I was comfortable. So I, I didn't get any, it's very hard to deny kind of what he's done over the last couple of months of the season where his routes have steadily increased. He finishes the year with 26% targets per outrun. That's better than rookie Chris Alave, rookie mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson. He had a very low ADOT at first. It was like very gimmicky, but he did show some role diversity. Like later in the year, they were using him in a lot of different ways. He had some high air yard share kind of games. I, I don't know. What do you what do you do with this guy at this point? Yeah, he's another one, you know, talking about accountability. I definitely got wrong. I I mean, you know, I remember watching him on film and I really didn't see the yak ability in college. I, I just not what you're seeing in the NFL, this like possession receiver who can break tackles, you know, run after the catch. I didn't quite see that in college. And he was also pegged as like a downfield, like big play guy coming out. And yeah. at SMU, I think that was kind of his role so maybe he was being used a little incorrectly and i didn't love him as that role and you can see in the nfl like he's obviously been used in more diverse ways throughout the year but he's really not like a downfield threat that's not his role and that's not what he's best at so i think i think it may have just been like a you know a, a number of things like just him being maybe in the wrong role not loving what i saw in film i didn't i'd also don't think that he's overly like athletic and dynamic but he gets the job done and he's been really good so you can't deny it like there's no doubt about he's been good for them and even if they add a a wide receiver one which i think they're going to be looking to do you know a more natural wide receiver one um, i think he'll still be very productive he's he's a good player and and i think that possession type receiver is something that they need there yeah he's pushed guys like sky Moore right out of the way you know yeah that's not very hard to do but um yeah (laughs) i I'm going to be, I'm planning to put some dynasty rankings together this off season. And, and I feel like he's going to be a guy that's just tough for me to, to figure out how to, how to peg him in the rankings. But I feel like he 
probably belongs in that like top 15 zone at this point. Like he's, he's got to be around there just with the way that he's dominating volume and the situation that he's currently in. Um, you know, Kelsey is starting to really show signs of aging. There's nothing else there right now. You've got the best quarterback in the league throwing you the ball. It just feels very attractive. And, and he's doing like, he's scoring legitimate fantasy points with that role. So I think he's going to have to be higher than I'm comfortable with. And and we'll see how the market reacts, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll end up ahead of the market on this one. I'm not sure. I have a feeling, I mean, he's try, I'm trying to see where he's ranked. Cause. Okay. Oh, maybe it would help if I had wide receiver selected. Would... <laughs> While you're pulling that up, I'll just say I'm taking the chiefs in this game at home over the dolphins. Uh, I'm not all that yeah. sold on, on this team. I don't know if Waddle's supposed to be back or not. Just not that sold on Tua against this defense and how good they've been this year. So I'll go Chiefs. I mean, I just think that the Dolphins are too banged up at this point. Like they have a ton of defensive injuries. Their offensive line is absolutely roasted and they're going up against a defensive line that is very good. Very good. So I could see Tua under duress. I could see him throwing up a couple of those, uh, you know, prayer, (laughs) just prayer balls. Like, all right, let's see what happens here. But yeah, uh, Rasheed Rice, wide receiver 23 right now. Um, yeah, I think he's probably in a range where you wanna, you're gonna want to maybe acquire a couple shares this offseason. Yeah, that might be an early offseason target because I feel like people start diving into what he's done this year and kind of looking at how like perfect his situation is. I think he's probably gonna creep up and be one of these um just guys that builds hype over the off season. And suddenly he finds himself in that wide receiver one zone. But I feel like right now people are still like not really getting what they have in him. It's a so tough I range would- though, dude. It's a tough range. I'm looking at guys ahead of him and it's like T Higgins, Metcalf, London. Like I still want those. Right. I'll take him over Metcalf personally, but I, I, the other two. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think the other two, it's definitely, I, I love London. Um, I've never been a big Higgins guy, but I, I mean, I think that's a toss up for me. Like I, I'd probably just keep Higgins. Um, but yeah, I take him over Metcalf, like 27. He's had like one year over 14 points per game. Like, I just don't think it's happening for him the way people want it to. I'll, I'll take the young guy who's probably scored close to him this year and probably outscore him in the future. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be looking at that, seeing you know how we can get creative. Maybe that's one of those guys you can take running backs that are kind of these volatile guys in that zone, that low B low end RB one zone. And you can maybe turn them into somebody like a Rashi rice where you feel like maybe that's a little more stable. I like, I wonder if you can move Ken Walker for Rashi rice plus or something like that at some point. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. Something like that is definitely, definitely worth looking at. Um, this next game Steelers, uh, unfortunately we're all subjected to seeing Mason Rudolph in the playoffs <laughs> because Mike Tomlin just refuses to lose football games. Um, but we got the Steelers going to Buffalo to play the bills. And, uh, I want to talk about George Pickens real quick because I have been a George Pickens hater. I mm-hmm. I've been, a, I've thought that he was fancy Gabe Davis after his rookie season. And it seems like he's actually good. So, I mean, he's a lunatic and he's like, doesn't block apparently, but he's like really good at playing wide receiver, uh, in the ways that matter. So, where are you at with Pickens? Like, I don't remember what your journey is with Pickens. Like, were you high on him as a prospect? Do you do you like him now? Blocking doesn't matter, huh? Yeah. I thought I, um, I didn't love his his route running chops coming out, but um, it was mostly the injury, obviously that that kind of pushed him down a little bit. He had that knee injury coming out, so the production wasn't necessarily there. 
and he obviously had it was the attitude and you could see it on the field he kind of had that stuff going on and and i don't love mm-hmm. buying into those kind of guys so um yeah and and you know that's kind of reared its face in the nfl as well but it hasn't really mattered he is a really good receiver he's definitely like you said good at the things that matter catching the ball and getting open but um I don't love him like as a, a long-term dynasty asset personally. I do think that he's still kind of uh, a boomer bust type player, not in a great offense in terms of, well, not with a great quarterback, let's put it that way. And right. offense has either, but not with a great quarterback and that could change for sure. But I would like, I, I made a trade, uh, I think right before the end of the year where I moved Pickens for Rice, essentially there was like, it was like a two for two deal, but that was essentially what, what it was. Yeah. And I would much rather Rice, you know what I mean? So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take I'll take Rice as like I think there's more ceiling, like more untapped potential there for sure. I think with Pickens, he just has he's just better than I thought. Like he had, this year, twenty four percent target share, forty one percent air yard share. Like he's he's commanding volume at a level that I just didn't really expect after his rookie year was so poor. Um, in terms of the the volume, like earning volume sort of metrics that you want to look for. Um, they're not superstar numbers. Like, I don't think he's going to ever be a superstar wide receiver. I, I do think that he has the chance in a more functional situation to push himself into that, like Devonta Smith T Higgins mm. zone of like these wide receivers that sort of shuffle through, depending on how their situation is, where they like, I, I, I would venture, I don't have all the numbers in front of me, but I would venture if you take the offensive context out of it and you just look at like targets per outrun you know, yards per out run. Like how are these guys doing individually on a per out level? I'm guessing he's sort of in that zone where he's more of like a wide receiver two kind of guy. The problem is just the offense was so bad. They were 29th in pass attempts. They obviously had three different terrible quarterbacks playing throughout the season. Um, and I think that does suppress some of the fantasy production. So I'm curious to see where he ends up price wise. Like I agree with you. I'd rather have rice. I'd rather have those those other wide receivers that are sort of clustered there in that fringe of the wide receiver one conversation. So maybe he's just not a guy I'm ever going to have. But it seems like he's he's better than his fantasy production this season. And if you think that Pittsburgh can figure out this offense, maybe he's a guy that you know pays off if you have some patience. Yeah, I I'm definitely coming around. Don't get me wrong, I am coming around. I made a move where I think in that same league I, I traded Saquon Barkley for George Pickens, and I. I kind of like that because I think Barkley is, is against, you know, I, I use the word fragile with running backs a lot, but I think he is, yeah. you know, the definition of that as, as a dynasty asset. Um, and you don't know where he's going to end up next year. And George Pickens is 22. Like he has a, a lot of growth left in him. I mean, just imagine if the kid kind of just gets his attitude, even a little, right. Like he can have the edge. I love the edge that he has. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, mm-hmm. you could block, you know, yeah. like you could, you could block. So it's like, imagine him kind of coming into himself in a couple of years, maybe he does get in that T Higgins range. You know what I mean? And I can, yeah. I can envision it, but I don't fully believe in it. So I'm right. a little bit in the middle. You don't have to, you don't have to trade as if that's going to be the case. Like yeah. you, you will, you want to get in on him. If the price indicates that you're getting a discount, like you don't obviously have to treat him as if he's already reached that point. Um, yep. But yeah, moving off Barkley for him. I, I see a trend here with the, like the aging running back for the young wide receiver kind of deal. Like I get, you're trying to stabilize. I get that. That, that makes sense. Um, Barkley, it, it's going to be, I mean, he's going to hit the free agent market. He's going to be 27. Like it's, it's going to be, I don't want to be there when it happens, Paul. I don't want to yeah. be there. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be there. You don't want to be there when the, the bottom falls out. So I get yeah. that. 
on the other side of this game, we have uh, part two of my hater parade, I guess, uh, because <laughs> I I just never could do it with James Cook. Um, I was always team Rashad White when that rookie draft rolled around and they were back to back and it looked like we were both sides were wrong and then apparently both sides were right. And I'm like, I don't know. Um, I still prefer Rashad White, I think, even though James Cook is yeah. probably a better player. It just... He just seems like he's limited and he was limited in college. He was never used in like a full on role. And in the NFL that just has continued. Like it, it just seems like there's certain things he's not allowed to do. I don't know who decided that, but he's just not allowed to like take goal line carries and he's not allowed to just like play all the snaps. People think that he got better like later in the season. Cause he had these big games. His role did not change with Joe Brady. Uh, his, I looked through all of his game logs, rush attempt percentage, route participation, percentage of, of goal line work, short yardage work. It was all the same. It didn't change. They just got into some game scripts that were more run heavy um, where they, they ran more plays or they ran the ball more overall, but he didn't get a better role. He's been 55% snap share kind of like I have it right here. Um, 53% of the rush attempts. He runs roughly half the routes. Like he's just not a full-time player and that's going to be a volatile fantasy asset when it comes down to it. Like if he was with the Rams instead of Kyron Williams, do you think that right. he would be in the Kyron Williams role? Like, I don't, I don't think that he has like the vision that Kyron Williams has. I think that Kyron mm -hmm. Williams is actually um, nearly elite in that respect, but I just wonder if some of this is coaching like mm -hmm. old school coaching and just being like Latavius Murray is 215 plus pounds. Like he's obviously right. going to get the goal line touches, you know? So um, I, I mean, as a dynasty asset, like just, based on the team he's on, it's not going to change anytime soon. And he's probably going to be typecasted as this kind of guy going forward. He'll have boom yeah. games like we saw for sure, but yeah, I'm not into him as a dynasty asset. I do not like acquiring guys like that. Yeah. I'm not sure. Like if he's on another team, the thing for me is like Kyron Williams was a legit bell cow in college. Um, James cook. Wasn't like he just hasn't. True. We've never found a coaching staff that's interested in using him that way. So I, I just tend to attribute it to like, there's some deficiency in his game or whatever he is like, he is small. Some small backs small. can make up for it with other things, but like maybe he just can't. Um, and so I don't, I don't expect him to be that, you know, like you look at someone like Gibbs and I know they're not valued the same, but you look at somebody like Gibbs much higher percentage of short yardage and goal line, despite having much more significant competition in the backfield. Uh, he he's already earning that trust um, and doing that, not to mention, you know, being more involved in the passing game and all that. So I agree with you. Just a guy that I think at a, as like a technicality is probably like RB12 in Dynasty because the position is like such a mess. But I don't have actually any interest in treating him like a, an RB1 in Dynasty. And I, I don't think he has a legit ceiling. I mean, there is definitely a sell opportunity this offseason. I mean, sorry, this offseason. In, in the fantasy playoffs, like we had some some of our Discord members i remember one of them was like should i off after after that a uh, big gamer right before it but like should i get off of him for a 26 first and like a third or something i was like yeah i was like yeah sure i would do that i would yeah and um, and he did do that and i think we're all happy that he did that i uh, i wish but. i had some so i could sell him but i uh yeah. i don't so i don't have any yeah. um for what it's worth this is shocking to absolutely no one i'm thinking <laughs> the bills over the steelers in this game 
<laughs> do you have a hot take for us here, Billy? No, absolutely not. I do not think Mason Rudolph is leading them to a, to an upset here. But I mean, the Bills have have had some stinkers this season, but I don't think the playoffs are yeah. going to be when they uh, they're putting it up. Yeah, I think they're locked in now. Um, I think they they're to they're gonna. I think they're about the closest to earning a bye week as they could have could have gotten. No offense to uh, to the Steelers, but that's <laughs> that's how I think it's gonna play out. We'll see. So so far since they expanded the playoffs, basically every single two versus seven matchup has been a blowout. We'll see if that holds true again this year. But it just it just seems like these seven seeds, man, they just can't they can't hang. Um, the Packers look pretty good lately. Who the are the next team here, and they're playing in the next. Mm-hmm. They're the seven seed playing against the Cowboys, two seed. I think they're going to make it more of a game than the Steelers. Yeah. Personally, uh, I was. We're not going to talk about Jordan Love. I, I just was so wrong about him. I'm just going to leave that in the past. <laughs> um, yeah, don't. I'm right there with this you. is a this is a new podcast. So I, on this podcast, I have never once ranted about Jordan Love being overrated or being a sell in Dynasty or anything like that. This is a this is a fresh start um where we acknowledge that Jordan Love is has a legit talent is probably a long-term starter in the league but we're going to talk about like a fringy guy here uh which is Dontavian Wicks I never even heard of this dude before like week three um and then all of a sudden he's running routes he's getting targeted he's making big plays he's flashed some ability I'm curious if you think this is like just a straight up small sample trap or if this is like an actual guy like, if, is he a real player that matters? Like, could could matter? Uh, could matter. Yeah, I do think he could matter. I think that the the receiving core is so loaded here that like it could anybody could end up on the top, right? Depending on how it, it shakes out. But I do think that Wicks and Jaden Reed kind of have a leg up, especially on on do- on Dubs Dobbs Dubs on Romeo Dobbs because. They just they seem to be a little bit more dynamic. They seem to be a little bit more grown into their game at a younger age already, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that gives them a little bit of a leg up. I like Wicks. I think that he's put on some pretty impressive performances the past couple of weeks. He's a little bit bigger body kind of guy. Uh, I'm I'm interested in this kid. I really am, and he's he's still ranked pretty low. Yeah, I think he's a throw. I mean. In a lot of spots, I think he's like a throw-in on a trade. Um, yeah, I think he's yeah. a nice like tear-down candidate if you've got some wide receivers in kind of like no man's land. Like, you know, you want to tear down like a Jacoby Myers or something, and you can still mm. get Wicks plus or something. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm interested enough to get him on some teams. I am absolutely going to try to get him on every Dynasty best ball team that I have because he is like <laughs> the perfect guy for that. But, I mean, he's not a good pro- – he wasn't a good prospect. Late to Claire – never hit a 30% dominator. Like he was a fifth round pick. He, he didn't really have anything indicating that he was going to be good, at least on the number side. And so when you look at like, okay, you get this guy comes out of nowhere, limited opportunities. I do want to be a little bit hesitant, but it's not like he's cost prohibitive. So I guess the question is, is this somebody worth sending like a late second for, or is that kind of, are you kind of drawing the line? Like maybe not quite that far. I think I'm drawing the line there, trying to maybe get him, like you said, as a throw-in, like yeah. secretly, like get him <laughs> where he was right. the target, but but not actually. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, and I, and I do think like it's it's tough because obviously they want Christian Watson to be a thing. I don't know if he ever will be, but he still has some time left to, you know, try to establish himself. Yeah. So you know, at best, you're looking at because I think uh, Jaden Reed has has proven himself as a wide receiver two on this team at the very least. Like he might be the wide receiver one. 
but definitely a wide receiver too. And I think Wicks is probably at best like three. Maybe he could be two if Watson doesn't pan out or something like that. So yeah, the, the range of outcomes for him aren't very high in terms of like you know final outcome. But I, I like I, I like him enough. I think like we both said to to try to get him on some teams. Um, yeah, get him out there. I I know yeah. I was looking at some of his numbers during the season and from like weeks twelve to was it sixteen or seventeen? Like his yards per route run were ridiculous. Like they were they were like top fifteen among all wide receiver wide receivers. Yeah, his yards per route run was ridiculous. He was making some really big plays. Um, but even his targets per out run were solid. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when he was getting when he was getting some some playing time, you know, he had games down the stretch mm-hmm. like 27% targets per out run, 33%, 25%, 23%. He just wasn't getting all the routes because for whatever reason they continue to run Romeo Dobbs out there for 90% of them. Yeah. I don't really I don't really get why he doesn't seem to earn a lot of targets on those routes, but they like him for for whatever reason reliability or rapport or whatever. But I I do think in the long run I I'd, I'd rather bet on Wicks. Um, yeah. but yeah, I agree with you. I, I would not send a second for him at this point. I, I do think the ceiling is just a little too low for it to really be worth mm-hmm. it. And maybe that's wrong. Like maybe he proves this wrong, but I, there's just not a lot pointing to him as like a high upside, high outcome kind of guy. So I, I like him. I, I want him on teams. Cause I think his value could increase if he finds himself as like a real starter on the team, but I don't want to get too ahead of our, too ahead of ourselves here. So I think that's a good call. On the other side, Tony Pollard was my pick. I mean, CeeDee Lamb, it's like whatever. He's either the wide receiver two or the wide receiver three in Dynasty. It's not that interesting. He's amazing, but that's really it. Like, unless you want to, if you want to pitch me or like a red hot wide receiver one overall in Dynasty argument, I would, I would hear it, but I don't think you, I don't think you are. Um, nope. (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) So we will just let him be awesome and we'll talk about Tony Pollard, whose situation is like a little more in flux. Um, I was very excited for Tony Pollard this year. I drafted him on Invest Ball. I went and acquired him, you know, in startups. I, I thought it was wheels up, and ultimately it was underwhelming. I tend to blame the injury, and maybe that's just cope. But I, I think he showed a lot last year, like as a player, and I just don't think that he completely lost it because they moved him from second to first on the depth chart. Like I, I think it was probably the the injury, maybe it's some age related stuff. He's like still pretty like he's not that old and he doesn't have that much, you know, tread on the tires, as they say. So I'm not sure what happened. I'm still interested. Um, but what would you do with him? Is he like low enough at this point that you're maybe buying him on the cheap? Or is he still a guy where you're maybe just kind of ignoring him? Um, I'm if I have him, I'm selling him. But yeah, I'm probably ignoring him. I've always been lower on Pollard. I I don't think he's a bad player. So they just get that yeah. out of the way. I just don't think he's that good. Like I never thought that he was a starting running back. The coaching staff has always talked about not wanting to give him a full workload because they, they don't like what they've seen from him when he gets a full workload. I, I just, yeah, he seems to be better in, in that running back two role, whatever that mm-hmm. means, whether it's kind of, he's getting, you know, different scheme, you know, different schemed runs that he's better suited for, whether it's, you know, he's just, a little more fresh, whatever it is. I don't know what it is, but he seems to do better in that, in that role with somebody else alongside him. So, yeah, I mean, I'd be selling right now. I'm looking at him right now, running back 21. I'd probably take Jalen Warren over him pretty easily, but I mean, there's guys like Baker Mayfield. There's, there's a, you know, Christian Kirk. I'd take over him pretty easily. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I want out of Pollard. You don't think Jalen Warren's just the same story like a year earlier or whatever. You're just buying, you're just buying a year back pretty much. 
yeah i guess i just feel like his his path to actually being that guy is like non-existent because he's already 25 Najee harris is going to be there next year like when do we get the i just like this is what i was saying about pollard last year right but he at least but he at least had the runway like i'm saying warren's already the age that pollard was when he was like named a starter is what i'm saying i can concede on warren i can concede on warren but there's there's plenty of players around pollard i'd I'd like i mean right next to him is mclaurin and kirk and i'd rather both of them oh that's gross you're buying these gross old wide receivers who never do anything I, I, like, I get it's not I gonna do it. anything for you though. Like I'm I, not saying like I I want these guys, but like I, I don't want Pollard. I think I here's what I think. I think that Tony Pollard, you know, top three running back season is officially over. It's been over since like week two. Um but I think that there's pretty decent chance that he still lands a starting job either back in Dallas or somewhere else. You look at the NFL right now, like there is nobody coming in in this class. Like the, this class is like not, nobody. Like nobody's getting second round. I don't think a single running back is going to go in the first or second round of this draft. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of like shuffling dudes that are already starters. And I just I think Pollard's got a decent shot to land as a starter somewhere, and he has the requisite skill set. If you don't like, maybe you don't give him 300 carries or whatever. But I, I think you can limit him. Uh, and he can still be like a nice high end RB two for you. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't, I think I, if you're selling him right now, like what are you getting? Like a mid second. I, I, I would I take a second. I would take a second. Yes. I would, I would take, take an early second. I don't think I'm just sending him out for whatever second you're going to give me. I'd, I'd rather take just Charbonnet put... over him. I'd take guys like that. Charbonnet. That dude never yeah. going to play. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. It, it's tough. Like I, I, I don't. I'd rather think, I'd rather Ramondre Stevenson over him, like guys like that. I'll, I'd listen to that. I'd listen to that argument. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's fair. Um, I mean, I think he's getting close to just being like the same zone as like a James Conner and Aaron Jones, where it's just like, oh, don't disrespect James Conner like that. That man has been incredible, incredible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's obviously not going to get the thirty-five touches in the finals or whatever, like James Conner just got. But in the in the same vein as like you're just buying older running backs and hoping that they win on the merry-go-round and they, you know, they end up as the guy that's still getting the touches. Like, I think, I still think he's good enough that he's going to be in that conversation. So I I don't know. I, I would, if I had to bet one way or the other, I'd say he is a starting running back next season for somebody. Um, And so that's appealing to me because I still think, I still think he can, he can get it done for you. Like his luck this year at the goal line is like astronomically like down bad. I know he had a couple of bad plays on his own, right? But in general, if he scored like four more touchdowns, which I'm sure he was more than four touchdowns below expectation, the the narrative on him would be so different. Like in terms of his points per game or whatever, people wouldn't be talking about him. Like he was the biggest bust of all time. It's just crazy how things worked out. He had like multiple, like he had like 10 carries from the one that didn't turn into touchdowns. Like it was insane. He definitely had he definitely had bad luck, but yeah. I I don't like him as a running back one here, and it's a pretty good situation. And I don't think I'm gonna like him <laughs> as a running back somewhere else at 27, yeah. uh, when it's maybe not as good of a situation. Did you know that James Conner at 28 years old just had his first thousand yard rushing season? It's pretty That's crazy. That dude, I <laughs> I can't believe I should have been buying more Conner. I'm gonna buy so much James Conner this off season for like third round picks. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna um, be great. <laughs> I am taking the Cowboys over the Packers in this one. 
I so badly want to take the, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to take the Packers over the Cowboys because I, I do want to see that upset happen. I think that Cowboys nation would absolutely go ballistic. We'd see a McCarthy firing. Yeah. It would be glorious. Like I'd love to see it. Glorious. I think it'd be hilarious. I'm an Eagles fan. So oh, very go. bold of you to take the Packers in this game that we're playing for absolutely no stakes. Um, <laughs> That's really, why. really exciting um, to check in next week and see. I mean, if we all, if we pick all the same teams, it's not going to be fun. So you went Texans. I went Browns. You went Packers. I want Cowboys. Um, the next game is Rams Lions. And I think this one is like fascinating. I mean, we get the double quarterback revenge game. That's awesome. I actually, spoiler, I kind of like the Rams in this game, even though they're going on the road. But mm-hmm. it's um it's gonna be interesting. But we'll start on the Rams side. Kyron Williams, let's let's bring him back up. Um, we we already said he's kind of we think he's kind of in that RB eight, RB seven kind of range in Dynasty, and maybe he is. I thought he was just James Robinson redux, but I, I think he's like actually maybe legit more so than Robinson. I think he maybe brings a little bit more to the game. Um, and, I, and I'm kind of coming around. Part of it is this underwhelming running back class where I just think he's got better odds than, than maybe in a normal season to just ride it out and survive. But also the payoff is just so high. Like if he, if he quote unquote survives, like, we're talking about a guy who's going to go top eight in redraft. Like James Robinson wasn't that he was never that guy. Like he was never going to be a first round redraft pick. Even if he did survive, this is a high up, like this is a high risk, but it's also a high upside scenario. This is one of the guys on the list. I struggle with the most. I was a Kyron guy coming out. I thought he was one of the, like for the lack of size, I thought he was one of the best pass blocking running backs in his class coming out. And I just, that means a lot to NFL teams. I know that he had pretty good vision, low center of gravity guy. I really liked him coming out. And then, you know, he absolutely just, he got (laughs) killed at the combine. Like it was just so bad. I remember it. He just like, the testing was terrible. He tested really poorly. And then he got the the foot injury, right? So like, it was just all bad for him. I did have a couple of shares because I liked him and he was stashable. But now it's like his value is so high. And still, I do think because of the draft capital and everything, he he does carry some fragility. So, again, it's, it's it's such a challenge for me to hold him on the teams where I do have him because I I want to sell him for, like, everything right now. I'm like, I could probably get a first right. plus right now, and, and I feel like that's really good process. But also, I just want to league with him on my team. And it's like, like you said, if he survives, I – I may be running it back again, yeah. you know? So I'm still trying to figure out like if I'm buying him at all, first of all, just, I need to see what the market's actually going to do. Like, are they going to discount him based on a potential replacement coming in? Or are they just going to hold him at RB six for the off season? Like, I don't really know. Um, but I can say for sure, like if I have a, a one eleven, a one twelve, I'm totally cool. I'll send that for Kyron Williams all day. Like I have no issues with that. I'm not concerned about what I might miss at that pick. If something does happen, I'd rather roll the dice on the guy that could potentially score 20 points per game next year. Uh, if it all breaks right when you get into like the one Oh seven, one Oh eight ranges where I start to get conflicted just because of how strong I think this class mm-hmm. is going to be. But ultimately, I mean, if I'm buying him sending rookie picks is like my last option. I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be trying to move guys. What I'm probably going to try to do is, kind of the reverse of what you were doing with those older running backs where I'd probably be taking wide receivers that might be safe stores of value, but ultimately like if they're not on my team, it just doesn't matter. Like sending a George Pickens plus something 
for Kyron Williams, where even if, even if Kyron gets nuked, it's like what I gave up a wide receiver. who's probably going to score like 14 points per game. Like what? That doesn't matter. Like Mm -hmm. really, I'd rather just roll the dice on the high upside option there. I wouldn't be looking to go and send like high rookie picks for him because that's just a different equation. Like you're giving up a lot of value insulation and also upside in in its own right. So I got to figure out the sweet spot with him, but I, I would love to pick up some shares because I do think more likely than mm-hmm. not, um, he's he's running back some version of this role next season. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sending 108 for him for sure. Like, I'm not going to do that to myself. I'm a little, maybe I'm a little too risk averse for that. But right. yeah, I'd, I'd send it back like a 112 first or something like that for sure. Um, yeah. But I do think I would sell him like in the right situation for a mid first plus. And I do think there are people who yeah who would do that. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think you can also just try to turn him into uh, a Jonathan Taylor, a Travis Etienne. Like, I think that's fine. Maybe his ultimate ceiling is higher, but like we said with A-Chan, you're getting a player who's like a known commodity who's going to have that role next season. Um, and the ce- the ceilings are not that far off where I think it makes sense to kind of stabilize a little bit. Yep. Um, all right. Other side, we have the Lions. And I mean, first of all, I just got to say playing your starters in week 18 when you have like a 2% chance of it, the game meeting anything is just ludicrous to me. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. And like, I'm so sorry, Sam Laporta, that you had to do that. Um, and I cannot believe they kept the starters in even after he got hurt. Like that was just bananas. But either way, apparently he has an outside shot of playing next week. I can't believe that. Um, his knee was like bent out like from him, his leg in a really weird way. But yeah, I don't know. Sam Laporta, obviously there's a lot of high-end assets on the Lions, uh, but Sam Laporta seems to pretty much be the consensus tight end one in dynasty. So first of all, I got to ask, do you agree with that valuation? Um, no, <laughs> you're a big, you're a big Mark. Are you still holding out for Mark Andrews? I am. Yeah. Uh, but I can hear, I can hear arguments for Laporta at one for sure. Like I can, I can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like I've been doing rankings this off season as well. And I've been getting into like the tiers and yeah. I have Andrews Laporta and McBride, I believe as tier one. I think that's it. So like I, I view them all very similarly at this point and I can, I can see those two kind of jumping. I, I, I understand how it can happen. Put it that way. I, I really like Laporta. One of my things this off season and every off season is, is touching on, you know, the positional transition periods as I call them, but, you know, trying to, trying to identify positions that like running back right now is going through a transition period. You're going to see a lot of changes, you know, in the dynasty landscape over the next two years with tight end. I, I mentioned that in a, in a video this off season that I did, I've talked about it and I just didn't make the moves as similar to like the tank Dell Puka stuff where it's like, I, I saw them and I'm like, yeah, I like those guys, but I didn't actually go for it. And I'm, I'm kind of upset with myself about that. So I think, in rookie drafts kind of, you know, I don't want to reach for the tight ends, but you could have easily gotten Sam Laporta in the second round. And some yeah. of the guys that I chose over Sam Laporta are, are pretty gross. Kendra so, Miller. Yeah. Uh, Marvin Mims. Maybe it's, it's tough out there. Yeah. It, yeah. You, you named happens. definitely two of them. So yeah, but, <laughs> but I mean, but again, I think it's, it's more of a process thing for me where it's like, I identified it, you know, that they're coming in, that they're going to have some sort of an impact, whether it's now or in the future. And it's, it's kind of seeing that tight ends are also impacting the game as rookies more often than not. Like the NFL changes, you know what I mean? Like they, they start using players differently and yeah. they've done that with smaller players. They're doing it with tight ends, getting them more involved in the passing game in general and early yeah. on. 
I think what's I think part of what's happening with tight ends is like, and tr- tr- like I don't know hardly mm-hmm. anything about actual NFL defensive schemes, but I, I know that teams have been running these like cover two shells, and I think exactly. that's taking yeah. away a lot of these like downfield passes, and teams are just they're just building the whole offense around these dump offs, like T.J. Hawkinson, Trey McBride, Sam Laporta. They're getting absolutely peppered with underneath targets, where I feel like. Zach Ertz was kind of like the archetype for that for a while, but most of the high-end tight ends were not that. They were like these seam stretchers who were making big plays, like George Kittle, you know, down the middle. Um, Travis Travis Kelsey, when he was a little, you know, a little younger, and he wasn't just running like flat routes on every play, but he was actually down the field, Gronk, obviously. Um, So I think we're seeing, I mean, we're seeing a real shift in the position, and it's like maybe that sticks, maybe it doesn't, but right now those guys are just, they're soaking up targets and – and it seems like Laporte is the, the best of the bunch. Um, but I don't know how high overall he should be going in startups. That's one thing I'm not really clear on. Like mm. I was, unfortunately I was taking Kyle Pitts as my top tight end and like the early third round last year uh, of dynasty startups. I don't know. Is Laporta in that range? Is he higher? Should he be a second round pick in a tight end premium? I'm, I'm kind of not sure. I need to, I need to dive into it and see, like what is his value relative to other players? But it's, it's, I, I just think it's like so quick, you know, to start taking him like that high over like legit, you know, quarterbacks and, and wide receivers, but it, the positional value is, is, it is real, you know? I mean, I think that's why I'm a little bit more comfortable with Mark Andrews still, because I think he, he still, you know, gives you that advantage at the position, but he's tied in four right now. And, you know, you could sell Nico Collins for him. Right. Or, or Nico in a second for Mark Andrews, which I would love to do in a tight end premium league. Whereas yeah. Sam Laporta, you're reaching up towards like the Bijan Robinson early 24 first range. And it's like, I just, I, I, I have this, I mean, with tight ends in general, you can get them cheaper than you can in the rookie draft a lot of the time. Right. But in general, you can get them cheaper than their highest prices. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think Sam Laporta is at his nearly peak price. So it's like, why pay for that right now? Yeah, like it cycles. Like there's going to be probably a stretch yes. of time where where you can pick up Laporta and he doesn't have to be like at the tippy top, especially right now where it just seems like there's a lot of candidates where maybe next year for a stretch, Trey McBride's the tight end one. And then for a stretch, Mark Andrews comes roaring back. And then Dalton Kincaid's the tight end one. Like it could be kind of like Dynasty Wide Receiver 3 was for a little while there where it was just like mm-hmm. flavor of the week kind of thing. I don't think it's like a standalone at the top. And so maybe the move is just take the cheapest guy in the tier um, and don't, and don't pay all the way up. But yeah, I mean, when you get into the Bijan early first range, I, I think I'm still taking the other side of that, but I, I do have him ranked as my tight end one. So, you know, in a, in a hypothetical world, like he's the first guy I would take. I just don't know yet where that equilibrium point is, where it's, it's time to pull the trigger on a tight end. It's hard to say yeah. either way. I'm taking Rams over lions in this game. Did you have anything you wanted to add? No, no, I, I think okay. we covered it pretty well. But I think I'm with you on this one, man. I like what the Rams are doing uh, towards the end of the season here. The Lions have faltered a bit towards the end of the season here. Coming in with some injuries, I doubt Sam Laporta plays. That would be negligence, if you ask me, <laughs> yeah, by tough. the coaching staff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that I think the Rams are just playing really well. They have more playmakers than people give them credit for. So I, I think they can make it happen. Yeah, Demarcus Robinson, I mean, he, he's... <laughs> killing it for them uh what the hell? <laughs> but i mean yeah puka cup kyron i mean stafford is dealing right now the lion secondary yeah. is just an absolute mess I, I think especially if laporta doesn't play 
I, I think that that pushes it a little bit towards the Rams. So it's going to be a tight one. I think it, it should be like a big, it should be an exciting game, you know, shootout. But ultimately, I, I do think Stafford can come back to Detroit and, and win the game. I think he's better than Goff, and I think McVay is a better coach than Campbell. And I think ultimately that can just that could be the difference right there. So I also think he's coming in with way more emotion than Goff. Way right. more emotion in this like comeback to, you know, against my team and mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, it's obviously in Detroit, so there's that, but it's like I just think he's he's got more of the it factor and that just like matters in these games. Yeah. If that makes sense. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Um the last game probably not going to be as much fireworks in this one. And uh, I would have been a lot more excited for this about a month and a half ago, but my Philadelphia Eagles have absolutely just like fallen off a cliff, man. They can't do anything mm-hmm. right. Um, now Hertz has like a dislocated finger and AJ Brown's got a knee injury and Devonta Smith has an injury. And it's just, it's just sad. I wish we had just like started the season with five losses and then, and then one 10 in a row instead of the opposite. But yeah, for the Eagles, I want to talk about Jalen Hurts because there's people on the internet saying that, in fact, over 15% of Jalen Hurts' fantasy points come from the tush push, and they're going to ban oh. that. And so we have to discount Jalen Hurts and Dynasty. Um, do you subscribe to this idea? It's such a mind-numbing conversation, the tush push thing. The, the first time I saw them do the tush push – I'm like they they did a QB sneak. <laughs> is right. that what just happened? They like did I've a seen, QB sneak. Yeah. I've seen this happen so many times. The only differences is that I feel like the team feels like this is that Jalen Hurts can take some punishment. He can yeah. take some physicality, so they push a little bit more from behind than most teams would. A Tom Brady, they're not going to run into Tom Brady's ass. Like right. that's not going to happen. So I don't know. To me, it it's just like such a a, a non story because if they do ban whatever they're doing, I just feel like they'll do quarterback sneaks like the old-fashioned way and still get it in like it's yeah. not going to be much of a difference i don't think there's going to be a loss in fantasy points because of this at all it's it's a really um <laughs> i think it's one of those it's one of those things that you can take advantage of in the community where it's like just it absolutely has no impact on anything but it will yeah. impact people's evaluations of the player oh yeah i'm begging them to ban it it it, it has no I mean, not like I don't actually agree they should ban it, but like for dynasty yeah. purposes, I would love that because I would love to just send out some offers and see what happens. Like it, it doesn't move me 1%. Like it means nothing to me. Um, Adam Harstad posted some interesting stats about QB sneaks and how like you look at Drew Brees. This guy is like 5'11", um, no, no athleticism whatsoever. His one-yard QB sneaks throughout his career, basically the same success rate as the tush push. It's just that the Eagles run it so frequently. Like that's their, the hack is not the tush push. The hack is that they realized it's such a high percentage play. And so they run it all the time and that's not going away. They're just going to keep doing that. And, and that's where the edge is. Like teams get up to the one, the, the freaking Ravens every week get to the one. And then they hand it to Gus Edwards instead of running a QB sneak. Like that's just their choice. But they, if the Eagles were in that situation, they're running the QB sneak. It doesn't matter if Dallas Goddard's allowed to stand behind him or not that hardly impacts the play at all. Like if you see the, how the offensive line is operating, like Hertz finds the gap and he goes through it. So yeah. Anyway, I got a little fired up on, on Twitter. I started arguing with people for no reason. And <laughs> what else just, is Twitter for, it's man? So it's just so <laughs> stupid. It doesn't matter at all for his dynasty value. That being said, he has played worse this season. Like he, he looks worse, um, especially lately. Now, I think part of that has to do with the knee injury that he's been dealing with all season. I think it's it's affecting his mobility a bit. 
and some of it definitely seems like there's friction with coaches, like maybe bad play calling. But for me, I, I still have him at 103 in Dynasty. I, I still think he should be the third guy off the board. He just he just scores so many more points than Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert or whoever. Uh, I absolutely will hear the argument for Lamar over him. But other than that, I just don't think there's anybody that's that can take the mantle. Yeah, I think that he's in that 3-4 range for sure still. I, I he's obviously played worse this year. Some of the some of what you're saying has impacted him for sure. I think one thing you didn't mention, which may be the biggest impact, is the loss of uh, Shane Steichen. Yeah, like it, it's it's been very noticeable, and his impact on his own team on the Colts has been incredible. So it's it's clearly part of the equation there. So I think they have some work to do in terms of figuring out how to fill the gaps there with whatever they've lost in terms of scheme and play calling from, from that side. Yeah, no, I agree with that. This Steichen is a big loss. Um, he looks like a Steichen, great coach yes. in, in Indianapolis and, uh, and that sucks. I mean, that happens when you have good coordinators, they, they tend to get yeah. hired elsewhere. Um, but like the bottom line is hurts is a starter. Like it's like they, they talked about with Kyler, like, Oh, he's not actually an elite quarterback. It doesn't matter. He's a, He's going to be a starting quarterback and the skill set that he brings as a starting quarterback is going to score a boatload of fantasy points. So it just doesn't matter if you don't think he's top 10. I really don't care. It does like he's top 32. Um, I know that. So <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, wherever that. you put him on the power rankings, it's not going to yeah. change. There's no multiplier for like being an elite quarterback. You just get the points you score. So he's going to score points. I saw a poll that was like 50, 50 almost with him and CJ Stroud and dynasty. It's like, get out of here with this. I love CJ Stroud. I think he might be a better quarterback already than Jalen Hurts. Like, I think that's very possible. He he doesn't freaking run in 15 touchdowns a season. Um, and he's not going to. So it just doesn't make any sense to to do that. Like it the game isn't pick the most talented quarterback. It's like pick the one that scores the most points, and he's he's gonna score a lot of points. So I'll take Allen and Mahomes over him, but I'll still take him third. And I'm not I'm not really all that like nervous about doing it either yeah i'm pretty much right there with you all right so we got one more team to look at here the buccaneers side and um we'll do this one quick rashad white to me is is really rehashing a lot of the running back conversation that we've had already like with james cook with kyron williams i think he's pushed his way into that like low-end rb1 conversation but it's kind of by default it's just based on he's pretty young and he scored a lot of points this year and that's pretty much it i don't think he's a tremendous talent. I think he's good in the passing game. I think he he still has some limitations as a rusher. And I don't know for sure what the future looks like for him in Tampa. I don't have confidence in him the same way I do in a uh, an ETN or Jonathan Taylor. So I, I see him the same way. Probably not a guy I'm going to go buy unless the market is giving me a big discount on the risk. And I can sort of just bank on him as like, if he survives, he's going to score 18 points per game or whatever. But what, what's your take on White? I hate that this is a thing, but you pretty much nailed like all my thoughts on it. Uh, like <laughs> I, I was this 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 is another one that that uh, hit my what went wrong article because I you know I kind of just discounted his role in the passing game and how you know voluminous that would be, like yeah. how impactful that would be from a fantasy perspective. And you know you always have to keep in the back of your mind it you know the that the receptions are like what is it like two point something 2. 4 times? Yeah. Times, times more yeah. valuable than, than a rush. So, um, you know, you got, got to keep that in the back of your mind, despite how ineffective of a rusher they are. And he, like you said, he clearly still 
um, has a lot of work to do in that respect, but he's able to get there with the passing work. And he is a very good pass catching back. He's a good receiver in general. Like he's a very good football player. So with the ball in his hands, like he, you know, you, you want that on your team for sure on your fantasy team. So I was wrong about that, man, but I don't like him where he's valued because I think that there are plenty of players that can supplant him uh, in, in that, you know, running back, whatever 12 range or wherever he's at. Like there's, there's yeah. guys who are going to easily come in and just push ahead of him, but he's a better asset in terms of fantasy and dynasty than I would have expected. So um, I was definitely wrong. On that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was too. I, I really wasn't, I wasn't that I don't know. I remember, I remember uh, picking him. It was like a just tilt picking him in a startup at like the end of the seventh round. And immediately being like, wow, this pick sucks. Like, I wish I could have taken like, <laughs> anybody here. I was probably like, I wish I could have taken Christian Kirk here or something stupid. Um, yeah. And then, and then he just stayed on my team because nobody else wanted him either, which is why he was available there. Um, and then I got the one seed, you know, um, as it goes. I also took Isaiah Pacheco, who I, I thought was like a stupid pick. And then he was good. And then I think I got Raheem Mostert later too. So I had like all these dudes um, that I didn't want and uh, it worked out, but I think I'll probably be more interested in players at other positions in his price range. That's just what I expect. Like I'll probably want to aim more for the, the stability of a, of a wide receiver there. But again, so much is volatile right now. We'll see how it settles in the coming weeks. Um, I'm going to take the Eagles over the box. I think that might just be cope on my part, but uh, I think ultimately they're going to get it together finally when it matters and, uh, and squeak out a win here. This off season, I think you need to pick an entire team of picks that you think are stupid and see how that works out for you. Cause <laughs> uh, you might just win the, win the league. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> no, um, it's, it, it goes like that sometimes for sure. I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you here, brother. I'm going to challenge your Eagles. I'm going to go with the Bucks, man. I'm, I'm, we're having fun here on this pod today, and uh, it's the playoffs, and there's, I'm, I'm going to lose absolutely nothing by making right. this pick. So, um, yeah, I'm What's going to the Bucks, friendship? man. <laughs> we always have fun on the pods, man. Like, I'm going to the Bucks because I want to see, I, I want to see mm-hmm. you sweat a little bit. That's all. I am, uh, I am going to sweat a lot. Uh, I'm really glad it's on Monday night and I can just like enjoy all the other games first and then have my heart ripped out later when Mike Evans catches three touchdowns or whatever. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a tough one. It's at home for the bucks, right? Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I do not have a lot of, I do not have a lot of confidence. I'll say that, but regardless, (laughs) we made it through all the wildcard teams, all 12 teams. I, I was really I really enjoyed hearing your thoughts on those players. They're they're all going to be really relevant, you know, for the off season. Um, we're going to just close things out real quick. I just wanted to get your thoughts on one more player, basically, uh, and that's one player that you think is going to be underpriced this off season. So you know, everything settles down, we get a little little time away from the the actual games being played. Who is somebody that you believe you might be able to scoop up uh, on the cheap for? you know, a nice little discount. Cheap is always relative, right? Like where we're talking about in the range. Sure. Cheaper than so, they should you know, be. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. So I like Drake London and I, I think, you know, wide, wide receiver 22 right now. He's 22 years old going on 23, super young. He's valued below, you know, DK Metcalf around Kenneth Walker right now. Uh, I, I just think the, the QB situation was so bad this year in Atlanta and obviously the coaching situation since they got rid of uh, Arthur Smith, they thought the same thing. 
I think they're going to, you know, do a lot to rectify that. And I think they're going to put a lot of resources into the quarterback position and getting that right. Now, I, I know that we've heard that you know, Justin Fields may be going there. I hope that's not what happens. Cause I, I don't, I think that would be an upgrade, but not the upgrade that we're all looking for. Mm-hmm. Right. Like he, he could do some good things for him, but also you, there's going to be a lot missing in that equation. So I I'd like that. Like I would love, even if they got like a Kirk cousins or something like that, <laughs> like give me like a real quarterback that can, yeah. that can actually just use all of the talent around him one way or another. Like, I are think you messing with me tweet. right now? Are you, did you see my tweet earlier today? I literally <laughs> tweeted this exact thing. I literally tweeted what I know. I, know I literally tweeted. I know Justin Fields would be an upgrade over Desmond Ritter, but why is everybody <laughs> on my timeline? Absolutely drooling over him as the potential Falcons quarterback. Like that's ideal for the weapons. And then, all obviously if you tweet about justin fields the fields fans will find you um and they will attack you and they were like well what else are they gonna do um who else would be better and i said kirk cousins i was like i I didn't see that in terms of realistic (laughs) options like he is the best realistic option that dude just he just creates fantasy points like i don't think people i don't think people get it but like fields he just between scrambles and sacks he just takes a lot of attempts out of the offense and and it would be better than ritter for sure um but it's not the height like it's not the pinnacle of what we could get um i I would love to see more of a pocket passer in there so and for all that's actually amazing that you had that take that's amazing because no i didn't literally this morning just like battling fields truthers in my mentions who i'm trying to like explain to them that the take isn't that fields is bad it's just that like he would be better but not the best option and and, like for some reason i couldn't say i wasn't allowed to say that (laughs) but you're i mean i love it drake london for sure i love buying falcons players and then just being disappointed like repeatedly (laughs) um drake london Uh, is so good dude he's so good and get him a real quarterback i totally agree with you he he's gonna do big things hopefully him and pitts but yeah, London, London for sure. Um, I my guy's pretty similar vein. It's Chris Alave. I think yours is better because I think he's London's going to be like legitimately cheaper. But I do think Alave is going to be underpriced as well. He's just a guy who's going to be discounted due to points per game, um, and and it's understandable. Like he just he didn't come through with that. But when you look at the underlying metrics, he really reminds me of like DJ Moore in Carolina, where. It was all there. Everything's there. He's got the 26% target share. He's got the 41% air yard share. Um, he pat, you know, he just looks good on the field. Like he's always open and the offense just lets him down. It's not a dynamic offense. It's not a great quarterback. It's not a high volume offense, but eventually I think a huge season is coming for him. Like I think he's an elite player. And so I'm just going to buy the talent and hope that it comes through for me sooner than it did with DJ Moore. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, so I, I just love Olave. I think he's maybe going to be a little bit forgotten this off season. Um, when people look through, you know, how the numbers all shook out for him. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see that because this just the season the saints have had is, is pretty forgettable. Yeah. If you ask me. Absolutely. Just so like vanilla, just absolutely nothing of note, you know, except for that, like seven week stretch where Taysom Hill was the tight end one. That was pretty fun. But other than that, <laughs> other than that, nothing like nothing really happened this year just like just close the book you know uh nothing to see but um yeah london alave two young receivers maybe could benefit from situational upgrades we like to buy the talent that's gonna do it for us today we talked about a lot of players uh billy i really appreciate you coming on here for the the inaugural episode of this brand new show i am really excited to just 
see where it goes this off season. Hopefully bring in a lot of really fun guests. Hopefully bring you back too multiple times. Um, you know, whenever I can pry you away from your own, your own work. Why don't you remind everybody what you're, what you are working on and where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can always find me on Twitter at Willie Beeman DFF. We'll probably stay the same. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm working on maybe altering the, uh, the that there but you can find all my stuff at dynasty underdog um you can find that on twitter too at dynasty underdog but my podcast and our youtube page i'll be dropping a bunch of film room videos this off season of all the incoming rookie class so that's probably what i'll be working on upcoming but i'll be dropping full rankings you can find all that stuff in our discord and the dynasty underdog discord so that's free to hop into right now just you know go on the twitter you'll find it there sounds great yeah definitely check that out as far as uh on my end I, i'm working on some stuff you know this off season, I, I have big plans for now, just working on this podcast. Um, hopefully coming back consistently every week with new guests, um, some familiar faces, hopefully some new faces as well. And just kind of exploring, you know, uh, relevant topics, uh, trying to get smarter, trying to get better at the game and, and just sharing that with you guys as well. You're just going to find the podcast, not on YouTube, um, obviously you're listening to it right now you're listening to it on spotify that's where you should expect it try to work on getting it on some other platforms as well but if you could follow if you're not already leave a rating or a, a review or anything that definitely helps I'm trying to grow this thing and, and see where we can go with it so this is the pure potential podcast episode one in the books thanks again billy and i will see you guys next week <laughs>